first computer. Okay, Ken, ready? You good? Okay. Yeah. Okay, you just start. Okay. Okay, I need to do the intro first, then I will just jump straight into it. All right. Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of The Token Singaporean. My name is Monster, and today we have another special guest with us. And this guest uh, is a dear friend of mine, and she also uh, started her own NFT project last year. And uh, well, just let's just welcome her, and then we'll listen to a story. So, welcome, Chanel. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm great. No yeah. Where are you? Where whereabouts are you right now? You've been traveling a lot recently, right? Oh yeah, but I'm back in Singapore. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So I guess um let's jump straight into it, okay? Like uh can you tell us more about yourself, like what your background was before entering the space and you know, just your general interest, like um your hobby, that kind of thing. Yeah, sure. So, I've kind of been doing a lot of things, uh, hopping from job to job um, before I jumped into Web3. So, mm. I think I had like three full-time jobs after graduating from college. So, my degree was in marketing and communication, but mm. I had a government bond to serve. Mm. So, out of school, I had to fulfill my duties. And I was very fortunate to be in a department of the Singapore government that was focused on helping grow lifestyle and fashion businesses mm. so I was very much exposed to the industry for the first two years of my career and immediately once the bond was up I joined one of the companies who was one of my accounts back when I was in the government so I jumped to the private sector and that was um, the time of my life I spent two and a half years building a sportswear brand that okay. was licensed from a billion dollar fitness brand and we were tasked to do the performance apparel and footwear for them so when I joined from day one, there was nothing. When I left, we were selling to multiple countries worldwide and we had grown, you know, the social media following the marketing. I can't remember the exact numbers now, but mm. a couple of like 30,000 or something like that, I can't remember. So so yeah, that was a really fun job. I got to travel all over the world, do fashion trade shows, do photo shoots for the brand. Um, and it really taught me a lot about B2B retail. Mm. We were doing it from a wholesale level. Mm. And then three months before the world changed thanks to COVID, I happened to leave that job and was making plans to move to New York because I felt like if I wanted to pursue a career in fashion, I should go to was the that, fashion capital. Was that pre-COVID? Yeah, so December 2019, I resigned. And right. then I was like, okay, I will go traveling. Um, I remember coming home for Chinese New Year and thinking, okay, after Chinese New Year, it would be a good time to go check out China. Because okay. I've always travelled to the West, but I've never actually been to China until now. I've been to Hong Kong and Taiwan, which don't really count. Okay. You know, it's like China, China. So, yeah, but of course, that's where COVID hit. Right. Um, so, I took a completely hard pivot and I went into tech. So, I was right. doing B2B enterprise tech. And I was very fortunate to get a job um, in June 2020. I think that's the year, yeah. Okay. Um, because I think there was a time where a lot of people were getting retrenched because of COVID. Mm. But um, I managed to get a job in that in the tech sector. Mm. Um, and yeah, I was doing enterprise automation partnerships. And 2021, I had just moved to the sales department. 
And I happened to also be interviewing for other sales jobs just to kind of get a cadence of the market. Okay. And then one of the job interviews I went to, it was for partnerships for NFT company. And then okay. that's where everything changed. <laughs> I see. That's where I, see. I yeah. That's where I learned about NFTs and I see. um I I just couldn't stop reading about NFTs or watching YouTube videos about it and mm. uh, yeah, and that's pretty much the origin story of um how I tumbled into the rabbit hole. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> you know it's yeah, interesting. Well, like it's interesting yeah. because like we've never really been like we were friends from college, for those yeah. who don't know. But we have never really been like very close. But now that you like uh went through like you went through with me this process of like you know your your life post college, right? I remember vividly that you know we never really got a chance to meet any. We never had a chance to meet after we graduated. But I actually met you. Uh, in January 2019 or 2020 So I remember it very clearly Because it was the last wedding That I went to before COVID hit Remember we oh. met at, we, 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 we met each other at Esplanade Do you remember? Yes, I remember But I, yes. I think you guys were all coming from a wedding, right? And yes, yes, yes We were all coming from the last wedding before COVID hit Literally, oh. that was the last one <laughs> Yeah And then and then I remember us catching up And you were telling us that you were going to move to New York So I think I think that was the period if I'm not wrong And then COVID hit And then, you know uh, We only uh, we only reconnected again, you know After you uh, tumbled into the rabbit hole So yeah, very interesting actually Now, now thinking back at you know how things un- un- unfolded you know and like um yeah. listening to your journey right it seems like you know it actually it's been quite a smooth process like post college you 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 had to serve a bond and then right after you finished the bond you you could jump into another job like there was not i wouldn't say i mean is it right to say that it wasn't like a huge difficulty for you in terms of like job finding and finding something that you really like that kind of thing yeah, I would say the transition between the first two jobs, yep. it was very natural. In fact, I think I was the first one out of my cohort of students, uh, the students, uh, cohort of scholars yep. to leave um, the agency that I was with. Right, right, right. I had already expressed my interest to the boss of that company, the CEO. I and see. Um, he knew that I had to fulfill the rest, the last few months of my bond. So it was always up in the air whether or not I could join the company, but he didn't find anyone to fill the position. Ah, uh, um, okay. By the time my bond was up, so I was like, that's it, let's go. <laughs> okay, okay. But yeah, that was very cool. Right. But, uh, after leaving that, then that's where things started becoming more like, oh, okay, what do I do now? You know, right. I'm not going to go to New York when right. there is that Asian hate because of COVID. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It, it was, yeah. It, I think the, I think the Asian hate was it was quite serious I think even until now there's still like remnants of it you know it's just yeah. uh, it's just things that we cannot we cannot undo you know it, it's gonna take yeah. a long time for this to for the world to heal but uh so like my question would be that you know you have gone through such a smooth sailing like you, your your career has been rather smooth sailing and and so what is it that like like what is it about nfts that really uh Attracted you so much That you're willing To give up All of this And then just Fall into the rabbit hole And do something So different Yeah It's a fantastic question Because I Until today I still Question myself 
um, because <laughs> no, but, but really, because when I learn about you know sometimes when you learn about a new thing, it really captures your imagination or your attention. Yes. Yes. But whether or not that is sustained over time, that's something that I think you know a lot of us have to reflect on. I mean, even if you like put this analogy to dating, it's like you know first date, second date, very fresh. You know, yep. two years in a relationship, oh my god, it's still fresh. So it's yep. something that I constantly reflect on. Mm. Um, but I think what hooked me in in the, at the beginning was I felt like the playing field was potentially leveled because it's a very new space. Yep, and. I think I always wanted to do something creative, mm-hmm. and I just could never logically let myself do anything that I felt would put me behind my peers in terms of a corporate career ladder. Does yeah, that make sense. I completely so, understand that so, because, yeah. like, I was like, I was a, I was a freelancer, right? So it all, yeah. as in to other people, it always feels like wow, you're doing something so different. But every end of the year, like when it's time to reflect, you know, I always have this like um, insecurity, like what if ten years down the road, like I'm still here, but my peers are somewhere else, you know, that kind of thing. There's always yeah. this comparison, even though you know, you know, logically that you you're not, you, there's no need for comparison. But I, I guess you know, maybe it's the culture, maybe it's just human nature. But it happens and it gets to me, you know. Even I mean, right now it doesn't, not so much. Now that I'm thirty years old, it shouldn't get to me so much. But I think in my twenties. Yeah, I, I completely understand that. Yeah, and I applaud you for going through that process because now, now it's kind of like my turn to go through the <laughs> instability, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So, like, okay. So, I mean, getting getting into the space and everything, and and maintaining everything is one thing, right? But you know, this is this was something that was very fresh, like. How long did it take for you to sort of like learn up everything that you needed to learn and and start and 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 like the process of just starting it up from ideation all the way until launch? Like, how was it like for you? Like, how was the process like for you? How long did it take? And you know, what are some of the highlights that you 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 would like to share in, in throughout this journey? Yeah. So. And let's just talk about let's just talk about ideation to launch. Like post launch is another story because we both know that yeah. yeah, it's crazy. But let's just like focus on that short period. How was it like? Yeah. So there's two parts to it, right? Mm-hmm. The first part maybe I covered the immediate one, which was when I started learning about what NFTs were. Yep. It was only July of 2021. Mm. I think that's when I went for the interview. That should be around that period. Mm. So. After the interview, my mind blew wide open. I was like, what is this space? So I just binge-watched YouTube videos and read so many articles, went on NFT Twitter. And by the time it was August, so maybe about five to six weeks of just reading about it, I decided that I would buy an NFT to just try it out. Right? Okay. And the intention of buying it was to kind of just see, you know, if I could trade it. Like, mm-hmm. was it really that easy? Um, and also just curiosity, right? Like why people are doing this. So that was about six weeks. Mm-hmm. Literally, the one week after buying my first NFT, I bought my second one together with my brother. And mm. that night, we couldn't buy it because it was sold out instantly and we had to trade on secondary. We had to buy it off Snipe off secondary. Mm. Um, and he was very frustrated with how 
it seemed a bit unfair, you know, for people who want to get in the space. And then, like, wow, you have to burn gas, you know, what's this thing? Why is it only for, like, um, people who already know what it is? And he was like, tell you what, let's do our own. Mm. So that was the, the initial spark of, like, possibility we could do our own. Right. And, but, you know, the journey leading up to it, while it may seem fast in that time span, mm. um, I think we already learned and knew about crypto and blockchain from 2017. So mm. I had a bit of Ethereum, like mm. a tiny, tiny bit. And my brother, who helped me do all of the tech behind the project, he was not a blockchain uh, believer or crypto believer at all. Okay. Even back in 2017, when I told him about it. He was like, I don't see the value of this versus, <laughs> you know, currency, like actual fiat, right? Right. Um, and he didn't really he didn't really feel like blockchain was going to like change the world and everything. So we were quite pragmatic. Mm-hmm. But when it came to NFT, he was like, I get it. Because there's emotional connection to art. And mm-hmm. it's not gonna be um the same kind of culture necessarily that it is with ICOs and coins. Right. So both of us were very much enamored by the level of creativity that could potentially be expedited using NFTs as a medium. Mm. So so I think, you know, for us to get in, because we already had some foundational knowledge about crypto, it wasn't like totally starting from scratch. It was just kind of understanding the pivot into NFTs. Right. Um, yeah, and I, I, did, I, did, I did read the news passively about crypto here and there uh, for like three years. Um, and then... The idea for Toasty, it was always my dream to start a brand that sold pajamas <laughs> and blankets and just okay. call it Toasty. Okay. I felt like it was something a comfortable. Word that was, yeah, a word that's very comfortable. And I didn't yeah. see any brand really utilizing it. Um, right. And so, you know, we were kind of thinking what NFTs we want to do. The first idea for my, was actually for my brother. He wanted to do wings. Okay. And Yes, because it felt like wings would be very equipable. Mm-hmm. As I don't think I've shared this publicly before. Um, you do wings, and I, I don't even know if you've heard of it, Bon. But no, yeah. I haven't actually. <laughs> yeah, actually, the first one he wanted to do was wings, okay. and he felt like you know we could do different style of wings, and it would be interoperable across the different metaverse gaming platforms. Um, okay. Because you, know, you all the characters, it's a cool transportation device for all characters, right? Yes. But. Um, Artistically, it also would have been a challenge. Both of us, we don't know how to use Blender and do 3D art. Mm. So we were like, we don't have time to learn this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's stick with 2D. So okay. then, then, you, then then he was like, why don't you do your toasty idea? Like, why not we change it? Try to see if you can do a pun, uh, make it a meme. And that's where I was like, oh my gosh, it's perfect. You know, because let's get this bread. It means let's make money. It will yep. appeal to the speculators, hopefully. And then I can still sustain it in the future as like kawaii cute brand maybe Mm. so that was kind of how it started yeah (laughs) okay okay super interesting actually especially the wings part actually come to think of it 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 would have been a pretty cool idea I mean if you could have done it because like it will be very it will be something cool in the metaverse and something that I haven't actually seen yet like a lot of people are doing like like uh, providing like apparels that are that you already see in real life but actually you know the thing about the metaverse is that there's so much there's so much that you can do that is like some I mean isn't it why would you want to be someone that you already are in real life in the metaverse you want to be someone completely different to have completely like whatever abilities that you cannot have here right 
like for example if I were in the metaverse I'm not going to make my avatar look like me in real life like like why like I have a chance to like like think uh, like think about or sort of like create a character that is that is what I want like yeah so I don't know I, I mean yeah I'm rambling right now but I, I just think like it's a, <laughs> it's a very cool it's a very cool idea I think in fact you know you can still continue to think about that I think it's yeah, it might be cool. I had it completely might be cool. forgotten I completely forgotten until this conversation I'm not even joking um, but yeah now we I open did. a new can of worms <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you know yeah and you're absolutely right we can still think about it because the concept of the metaverse the projects that were coming out last year is so different from the points now yeah. right yeah, so maybe exactly. what we built last year would have been useless depending on the platform because it's very platform dependent the idea yeah. correct um, yeah but Toasty is more just IP very very vague overarching things so I feel like you know over time we can evolve but yeah right right. and I guess Toasties I think we've come a long way I mean I'm part of the community as well and I see that we've come a long way of course like I mean if we talk about floor price that kind of thing you know we can't compare to a lot of other NFT projects out there but one thing that we have that a lot of high priced NFTs don't have is also a strong and genuine community even though it's small but people there are genuine people there are really there not just for the project but also from one another and I I guess at the end of the day this is what it's about you know when it comes to building a community right so like with this right like let's talk about this journey from post until now what are some of the things that you think you sort of managed well during this journey and then the next question would also be what are some of the things that you would prefer to have done differently on hindsight oh man I think there are more negative things than positive things I can say <laughs> to be no, but, but I also uh, think that's uh, often because uh, like we all, we always see the negative we always like see positive as it should have been you know because it hits the uh, it hits our goal so we don't really think about that but when things go wrong that is when all energies are put into it put into it right yeah but yeah I mean uh, it's okay it's okay if there are more things that you want to highlight that you could have done differently that's <laughs> fine as well like whatever you think that you you can share when you reflect upon this thing yeah of course so I've got the good stuff I think mm. the good stuff is that um, somehow through all of the doubt that I had and the doubt that maybe other people had on me mm. I managed to I managed to stay true to what I want to do mm. for the brand and for the community yep. and I have been quite consistent in that voice Yep. So I think that is one good thing. Um, <clears throat> the other good thing, which could also be a bad thing, but it's both, right? We get the pros and cons of this, is that I am not extremely reactive to trends <clears throat> because I feel like it could go both ways, right? If we hop on a trend and it works, great. But if we hop on a trend and it kills our project, then that's it. Which one, one, one trend I'm thinking of is GameFi. GameFi <clears throat> is completely wrecked this year, right? I'm yep. so grateful that I didn't. Um, completely pivot and, and just sell out and be like you know what we're going to do gaming we're going to do staking we're going to do tokenomics because that was what a lot of people were asking of us at the beginning yep. right after we sold out yep. and you know but my brother and I we knew that we were not equipped to take on building a game it's not mm. our expertise nor do we have the resources or we waste enough to do something as gigantic as that so I'm right. glad you know that we didn't do that um if I the if I can just thing. add on like if I can just yeah. add on to this to to this one 
good thing that I feel like you I, I, I personally feel like you've done very well and and this is also in relation to you know something that I uh, heard from I think one of uh, an interview with Gary Vee or something like that so he mentioned that as committee founders um, what you should be doing it is it's not trying to provide you know their uh, value based based on what other people are providing to other people like as in what other yes. people are providing to their communities it should be like reflecting on the inside thinking about what value you can bring like as a person at, based on like the skills that you have that kind of thing and all 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 that other people are doing are, is just it's just white noise because at this on you know on one hand like if other people are already doing it why do you want to provide the same kind of value you know and i think this is something that yeah. you know you 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 have you have consistently done and and also another thing is that like if you are really a project founder regardless of like uh, how the market is you continuously try to provide value to the community in ways that you can you know you don't just um, hide in a hole when it's the bear market and then come out to play when it's the bull market so I think this consistency is is also why we you know you you, you manage to you know form this community that is so close and tight tight-knitted yeah I think and I yes. think that's great <laughs> yeah thank you that's yeah. something also I wanted to highlight I think yeah. one of the biggest wins is our community team Yep. We have a fantastic Discord moderator and manager. And now she's also helping us with our social media, with our Instagram, um, as well as you know, our community host in um, based in the US. Jeff, like shout out to him. I think you know he brings the energy to the table every week on Twitter Spaces. Yeah. Even if we don't have announcements, you know everyone's just there to hear from us and have a good time and remember, you know what is the vision that we're trying to build in for the next 10, 20 years. So, Jeff is someone that we hired post-mint from the community. He wrote to me the night after we sold out. Mm. And it took me two weeks to confirm the role because I did interview quite a few different people. I went on more like, I went on LinkedIn and I tried to, you know, just make sure I wasn't missing out any gaps. But mm. eventually, it still went back to Jeff because he truly demonstrated that he was here to help fulfill a long-term vision and he knows how early we are in the space mm. and so we work so well together and I'm just so grateful like Jeff is the biggest win <laughs> from right. post-launch yeah. that's so nice and I think, yeah. yeah I think I think you know having the right team mm. is so important yep. um, and then I'm so grateful you know like you know we reconnected and you're, you're like with uh, me every step of the way as well because I think whatever form and shape it takes in the future it's hard to say for certain right yeah and Gary V started his business. I don't think he expected it to be the form it is today. But yeah. he probably had people or support system or even his own vision that he knew this was something that he was going to work on. And the tribe that you surround yourself with is so important. So yeah. I'm very, very glad that we have very good foundation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think I think how he, I, I mean, the way he, it seems the way he thinks is also like he is able to continue with this very honestly because he does it with this integrity that I know like people can you know how many people like to say shit about Gary Vee that he's like a scam like he, <laughs> he's a rock that kind of thing right because his pictures don't quite make sense you know that kind of thing but it's like he always goes in with this this thinking that I know that it's it. I know that I will make sure that I give value to the community like even if whatever I promise don't work I will think about what I can do 
to continue to give back. So, in in a way, he's the one in control as to whether his community will 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 what is that? I suddenly lost my train of thoughts. Okay, never mind. I think <laughs> I guess they'll the just cut this. Will benefit in the long yeah, run. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So like, yeah. Uh, so like, with that, with that, with that kind of integrity, you can't really go. You can't really go wrong, right? In a sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I was also watching one of his videos. So many of his videos. I don't know if it was the same one, but he mentioned, you know, like he was investing really in people. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the person that built something, um, they are all like like truly people with integrity. I think. They will always look back at who are their first supporters, and the first mm. supporters are likely to be the most rewarded eventually. Yep. And I think you know we see this in the startup space as well. It's not it's not a new concept, right? We see yep. this in even in the Web three space. Like I want to highlight one of the projects, Moonbirds. Right? Why Moonbirds did so well? A lot of it was based on Kevin Rose's reputation of being a serial entrepreneur. Yep. And He's already established himself the past 10-20 years in that space. So of course, when he came out to do this, people are looking at past track record, right? And I'm sure a lot of the people who benefited from Moonbirds were his initial circle, his initial network, because sure. they were the first to come and support him, and they wouldn't have had that confidence in him if they didn't already know him from something else. Yep. So. I've been thinking a lot, you know, like even whatever I go, whatever else I go on to build later on, mm. who are the supports? Who are the community that I will reward in the future, in whatever mm. shape or form? Obviously, the first people that I want to reward are my first ever supporters from of course. Yeah, yeah, so that's something that I'm hoping I can see through in the next 10, 20 years. And um, another thing also that I think the good thing before we go on to the bad stuff, yep. um, good thing that I think I've been focus on doing a lot of speaking engagements and mm. meetings with people outside of the Web3 space. Mm-hmm. So it might not immediately reflect on Tasty Toasties or on the floor price, but mm. these conversations are so important to have because the world is still kind of opening up their minds to this space. Of course. And when things evolve, like the industry evolves, I want to be there to be one of the first few people they are like, oh yeah, I talked to Chanel before, I learned about Toasty before, let me go hit her up, see what's going on. Yep. And I want to position myself as a thought leader in the space in the long run. Yep. So, yeah, I think that's one of the things that I did well. Um, bad things, okay. Couple of stuff. I think one part that I really struggle with is pushing out more content on the art side of things. Okay. Because I am both the artist and also the BD person. Yep. And on a long list of my to-do list, I always do the BD things first because it comes more naturally to me than to draw. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so, some things like, you know, doing a rehaul of the website design, the wireframes are already done, the art, the first drafts are all already done, but I just haven't sat down to continue the art and it feels like a bit of a roadblock for me. Okay. Um, mental block, mental block. But okay. I, I, I will do that. <laughs> It's just, okay. you know, just in terms of like prioritization, I think that's something that I'm still figuring out. Mm. Um, and the other thing that I wish I did better was to change out the whole treasury when ETH was 3K or 4K. <laughs> but that we'll never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, so we needed money to do the roadmap, so we had to change ETH out. And unfortunately, I changed it at a pretty uh, low price. Mm. So that hurt the project. 
Right. Um, but yeah, I think that's just learning points, you know, treasury management. Yeah, uh, financial management yeah. within your yeah, company. Especially, I mean, this is a completely new thing if you were building like a Web2 company versus a Web3 company. You never had to think about this volatility in prices, that kind of thing, right? So it's, and it's very yeah. hard. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Like in one day, it sounds so crazy. Like you cannot really tell. Like, yeah. So I think like money management in a Web3 companies is also going to be a completely new topic. Like, how are you going to manage it such that you know you can still leverage on the the, the uh on 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 the on the rise in prices when it goes bullish, but at the same time you also keep enough such that you can still you know sustain a company that kind of thing. It, it's so complicated to me. I, I mean, yeah, I don't yeah. think I'll be able to do it well as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like there were moments where like oh maybe I should trade the treasury so that it can. Um, we can grow it but then of course there's the fear that you trade wrongly or yeah. you, you know like some people are like why don't you buy NFTs and hold it right so right. when NFT goes up you sell you can add to the treasury right. and I think sometimes I did I, I remember when NFTs were still doing really well I remember yeah. asking you know the team yes. um, a couple of times but in the end I never pulled the trigger because I was just so fearful thankfully <laughs> thankfully you didn't thankfully you didn't yeah I guess it's so crazy. Yeah, thankfully I didn't yeah. But then again, I also didn't change out ETH at a good rate <laughs> in the end. So <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess it, it evens up. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I mean, actually, yeah. this the I think this money management thing is one of the biggest lessons learned in this bear market because you look at how many investment firms that were doing so well um, during the bull market just. Like one by one They all just go bust In this bear market Because of the way They handled the funds Right So it's yeah. like It's so crazy It's like I mean Hopefully the lessons learned In this bear market Will not be repeated In the next bull market I mean that's Yeah hopefully so And, and we're all still learning So let's just see You know how it goes <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think luckily Our strategy was always To have um, A typical e-commerce business Right And yes. And the goal for me was always to sell the product yep. to people who don't even know about NFTs. Like I want to grow the brand externally. And right. because it already came from this um, frame of mind before I used Web3 or NFT to kind of start the brand, mm. um, there was always this foundational thought process that we could um, go back to. Yep. I think there were some projects that came out and their whole roadmap is purely NFT based or purely Web3 based and so to suddenly make the pivot or change the narrative maybe it's a bit more difficult for them but for us you know it's just like oh okay fine NFTs are down never mind let's go focus on the plushies yeah 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 yeah. yeah. In, a, in a way yes like because like when it comes to if your if your plan is very Web3 based very lofty so when Everything goes down If you want to switch to the If you want to switch to something more I wouldn't say I mean for a lack of better way of saying it More traditional Down to earth mm-hmm. e- Even if you do that You know your community might not agree Because they didn't sign up for this yes. So it's going to be an issue as well Yeah So yeah. it's crazy yeah. yeah Okay Next thing What aspects do you specifically like About the Web3 space And what are some things that you really hate And you wish for it to change yeah. Um, so what I like about it is the underlying ethos that mm. we are trying to make the playing field better for creators. You know, okay. the topic of royalties have been quite hot lately because pseudo swap people are now trading NFTs on pseudo swap and they get to bypass paying creators their royalties. Yeah. Um, 
and people are like, excuse me, wasn't the whole point of the space so that you could make sure that every secondary sale of a collectible art goes back you know, to there'll be some creators. that goes back to the creator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so that was what drew me into the space, right? Like, yep. um, that it was just another tool that mm. would decentralize power and give that, that back to creatives or creators. Um, or even brand owners, right? Yep. The royalty system and the structure. So what I don't like about it, <laughs> like a lot three, is that uh, most of the first movers, they are traders and speculators. Yep. So this, this this particular point that I'm bringing up shows the other side, the dark side of it, right? Is that yep. a lot of people are in here just to make to, to make quick money and get out. Yep. Um, and so while I am grateful to the speculative nature of the, the space because that's what gave it its rise, mm. we should also be mindful that that's not, you know, the ethos with which the space was built for to begin with. So it ebbs and flows and I think it's about striking a balance between the two. Um, mm. But yeah, I wish there would be less of this and I believe there will be less of this over time. Yeah, for now, it is something that creators need to be very... Wary um, of it yep. And find ways to embrace it But at mm. the same time Know that that's not what The end goal or the ultimate vision should be Because yeah. I think the whole point of blockchain You know, why Satoshi Nakamoto wrote um, About Bitcoin to begin with It was always to provide an alternative To the current financial systems Or you know the current governments, right? Mm. So while we, I, I know a lot of people you know, are like, oh, we're not ready for Web 2. Why? I, Web 3, I, we are still on Web 2.1, Web 2.5, 2.759. I heard that last <laughs> night. It was a joke. Um, and I agree, I agree with that. But I think, again, it just boils down to striking that balance between what the world wants, mm. idealistically, versus what we can do now. And what we can do now, where can we put in small little drips of more of the idealistic vision so that over time we are kind of moving towards the ideal vision although of course you know you need, you need to balance it yeah. at the end of the day I, I'm going around circles but you get what I mean <laughs> yeah yeah I get what you mean yeah. and and you know the thing about it is that like if you're not in the space right you like I think a lot of people who are not in the space they don't see how developed the space already is you know they still think I think, I think a lot of people still think of crypto in as as like how it was in 2017 like there's mm. as it is the tech has evolved so crazily there's so many builders that are building on top of this but they they they, they don't know about this because it's not big yet so like if you are in the space I think going through the process of like uh, uh, going through the process of like improving the space and seeing how the space evolves you can also kind of get a sense of like how fast it is like how we always talk about how being in the space being in Web3 right like one month feels like a year you know and, yeah. and and if you and if you are constantly going through with this speed in a way like if you think about it right it will not take long for it to for it to double up in terms of like um is tech processors uh, in terms of improvements that kind of thing and then for the outside world I think it's always like that you know people are only willing to embrace something when it's like ready like for the lack of a better way of saying you know ready for mm -hmm. them yeah when it's perfect and ready for them and this is what what I guess what it means to be ready would be like when it's recognized officially by the government 
okay, or when it's like uh, fully embraced by their favorite like Web two companies, Web two uh, brands, that kind of thing, and that is when like the masses will accept it as it is, and then it will be a switch. Like I, I mean, the turn from Web two point whatever to Web three will feel to them almost like a switch. It's just like half like. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. This is how I feel. It will, it will evolve, but I don't know. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I guess. You no, know, I think it makes sense because I don't expect most people to care about decentralization, like the yep. pure decentralization. Yeah. I don't expect people to care about you know alternative methods of mm, currencies if mm. they are in countries that are so developed like Singapore. Yep. You know, we send we send fast payments to one another. Yep. Why the hell would we need Bitcoin? You know, so yep. I get it. Yep. Um, but the the and I think you know most consumers they just want to be able to use something easily. Yes. Um, one of my analogies that I always used to explain to people is that you use the internet every day, right? Yes. Yep. You know yep. how the internet works. No, I mean, do I know how the internet works? Not really. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I just use it, right? Yeah. So I think until there are products out there that have found a way to make it easy for people to use mm. um, and there are benefits to using it other than using what they are using now yep. then we will start to see mass adoption perhaps the flag needs to be carried by some web2 companies first yep. but then of course you know if you're a pure um, decentralization uh, evangelist then you're like oh no 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 I do not want like Facebook to come and take over meta and stuff but the reality of it is it's very difficult to get people to switch platforms yep. unless there's a very clear user experience that is so different from what they, you know, are being able to do. Yeah, but we'll see. True. I mean, we never know, right? Cause yeah, we'll never know. There have been instances where Snap, like Snapchat, Snapchat came out of nowhere, and then Facebook wanted to buy them over. Mm. Uh, Meta wanted to buy them over, but then they said no, mm. and then Meta went and built their own platform on Instagram and. They just kind it. of like That's it right <laughs> yeah, So we it. never know How it would roll but then, but then on the other hand Like It could be To the point now Where you know Facebook is dying Because No no cool kids Want to use Facebook Because yep. everyone's Grandma is on it Yeah And even and Instagram parents. Is maturing <laughs> yeah. yeah Exactly Even Instagram is maturing yep. So Obviously Gen Z Is now moved to TikTok Right yep. But what yep. is going to be The next TikTok Now that's a question That I think uh, Would interest You know Me yeah, for the next ten years. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very that that that's absolutely right. And I mean to add on to one of your point, which you said that you know when we are in we are in a very developed country where everything works right. So in a way, we didn't have to care about all this. Like, do we? Why do we need alternative currency when, for example, for us, SGD is strong as hell. I mean, it's stable, yeah. it's strong. But you know, I want to share this thing. I don't know if I've shared with you before, but I was in uh, Art Basel, and then. Uh, mm-hmm. There was this very old woman, uh, like her 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 back is literally like like hunched until like those kind of like almost ninety degree those kind, right? Then <laughs> she was walking towards <laughs> us, walking towards us. She looked like basically, you know, she's you look at her, she's just one of those people that you wouldn't even think she even used like mobile phones that kind of thing but right. she came to us like uh, I was at the ledger booth right so she came to us and she was sharing with us how much Bitcoin changed her life so because she lives in Palestine I think and then prior wow. to that they were never able like whatever they earned was just taken away from them in terms of value like they were never ever able to save any money 
like it was yeah. like this poverty cycle they could, they could never get out of because of how bad the government is how shitty their currency is so on and so forth mm. until they got to use Bitcoin and they use it as a store of value to sort of like save up and, and that kind of thing and now she can travel around mm. to see the world that kind of thing wow it's so inspiring wow. to listen to this you know yeah and it really made me realise like we are this is a first world blindness to this real applications that um, cryptocurrency can give you know to to other parts of the world that really need it you know it's, it's crazy it's crazy yeah now that I talk about it I still feel I still feel that like I still feel the impact as like when she told me about it well it's, it's, it's quite crazy yeah yeah I, yeah I mean I have mad respect for everyone who is focused on building out these solutions for the unbanked or the underbanked Yes. Because I think that's where this technology really makes a big difference. Yes. You know, there's a lot of excitement about the next cool thing or the next way to, you know, make more yield from DeFi. Yeah. But all of that is still the same rich people getting richer game to yep. some extent. Of course, yep. more people can take part in it. It is decentralized. But of course, you know, we both of us, you and I both know the whales, they still get to benefit out of that For more sure. than other people. Yes. Yeah. But when you're talking about technology that helps the underbank, like, oh my gosh, that that's that's so great. Because then that's where, you know, decentralization or like removing power from corrupt governments, that's where it makes such a big difference. Mad respect to people doing that. <laughs> exactly. And maybe maybe we don't get to see like a shift in power after all because the rich are already rich. They can just get in and mm-hmm. just stay in the same place. But to be able to include these people, I think yeah. that's a huge difference. You know, that makes, that yes. that's a huge impact. And yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know, hopefully we get there and more people can benefit from this. Yeah. yeah, it's not a zero-sum game, right? I mean, it's yeah. not like you have to immediately solve poverty, but if you can uplift even like a percentage of people, it's yeah. already a great win. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Okay, this question is, I mean, I think it's, it, I, perhaps I think you go for interviews, people will ask you this question as well. Like, Korea <laughs> Horizon is very long to predict in this space, right? So where do you yeah. see yourself maybe a year from now? Or where do you wish to see yourself? Like, is it going to, going back to corporate? <laughs> or is it like you know doing something else in Web3 you know what, where do you see yourself in one year's time yeah so I'm exploring a few things now I mean mm. obviously Casey Proceeds I'm still working on it yep. gradually we yep. have the merch coming out the e-commerce store trying yep. to um, get F- FDA approval so maybe I can sell Kaya into the US market <laughs> by the um, way I gave one of the Kaya that you gave me to uh, to this London colleague and they love it uh-huh. I, I think there's really a market for Kaya in, in Europe they just I think they awesome. just like it I don't know but uh, yeah no uh, everyone who has tried it who's not from Singapore they like it so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a potential Kaya empire coming up <laughs> oh, okay but, I mean I, <laughs> I don't know yet but I will see um, okay that, that, that's, I guess that's the you know the like more traditional kind of business that you know people still want to eat right and mm-hmm. it's something consumable. Um, so we'll see how that one goes. But I think where I see myself about this space is number one. I think um, continuing to educate and mm-hmm. do all these speaking engagements and everything. Recently, I was invited to be a guest lecturer at LSL. So. I, <laughs> yeah, I took up the job because I felt like it would force me to sit down and create some course curriculum mm-hmm. and, you know, see how that would impact people who are taking the class and 
hopefully by the end of it, I will have some material to work with and scale it up, you know, either by doing more online courses, which would be uh, very manageable time-wise. Mm. Um, if I just put on a platform and people can access that information themselves mm. as well as you know maybe giving more guest lectures at different institutions um, mm. yeah because it's one of those things where when you have a library of information to work with later on it becomes a bit more easier to scale because right yeah. now I have to do everything from scratch yeah that's one thing yeah. the other thing is I I am going to be joining a startup incubator in October Okay. Uh, I've been I've been accepted in as one of the non-tech founders. Mm-hmm. So my interest in joining the accelerator was to explore if I could build other tools that I think would bring brands in mm-hmm. um, to the NFT space okay. through the use of having access to analytics and also integration tools that can bring some of the community members that they might find through brand partnership into okay. their existing CRM system. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's something I'm very interested in because um, I think that there is a lot of interest from existing brands but the way that they are going to get into Web2 it shouldn't necessarily be that they immediately launch their own NFTs necessarily. Web3, right? The way uh, that they no. get the Web3. That's oh yeah, the way that they get the web three. Yeah, the way that they get the web three, it shouldn't necessarily be that mm. they start their own NFT project instantly. You know, or they start their own currency. I think yeah. that will completely mess with their whole system. Yep. Um, I, I think there should be a bit more empathy for how they can successfully do this in their corporate setting without necessarily rehauling their entire membership system. Mm. or their entire membership program and the marketers who are in charge of doing this um, they need to be able to understand and read the data that they are bringing in Mm. from their marketing programs so yeah I'm keeping it a little bit vague because I think there's still a lot of things to be ironed out with this idea but that was kind of what I pitched to the incubator so um, yeah I think that's something that we're going to explore I do have some other ideas as well more shopping related and and how you you can reward people with um, crypto but yeah we'll see we'll see okay (laughs) so yeah I hope that you know I have these three pillars Tasty Toasties this new startup space that I want to explore it might not even be in this direction but it's the initial idea and the last part would just be to continue to educate yeah. Right, right, right. Actually, you know, come to think of it, like you were saying that because you are guest lecturing and then you are coming up with this course outline with uh, course materials and stuff, it could even be a benefit for like holders to learn oh, more yeah. about the space. Yeah, I think it so, would be very interesting actually. Next week's next week class, so I just started the first class last week. Last yeah. week was a very introductory one about history of Bitcoin and stuff. I think the students... They, they were like oh my god so boring <laughs> but, uh, um, but next week we're going to dive into the history of NFT art and NFT culture mm. and I've also invited down two members from the Toasty community awesome to be guests yes cause, and, we, and I invited them down because they're NFT collectors so oh, I wanted okay. the students to get to know why people purchase NFT art Right. And what value, you know, what sentimental value or you know, whatever kind of value that brings to them. And right. these are people who I know collect art for the sake of art and yep. not for really the, the sake of flipping. 
Mm. So I thought, you know, we will start there because I think one of the things I've noticed over the years as well, you know, being exposed to different businesses, you know, my government position and um, talking with like other founders or you know, other creatives, not founders, other creatives, mm. is that sometimes they have a very creative brain, but they mm. don't necessarily know how to market themselves. Yeah. And if you cannot find a consumer audience that will suit your art style or you don't know how to sell your brand or start your business the people who are less creative than you but know these skills they might be more popular or more successful right just because they know how to sell themselves yeah so, the narrative is very important right? yes so I want them to understand and get into the mind behind NFT collectors so right. yeah it is beneficial for the NFT community as well because um, I mean even the Toasty community because the first two people I asked they are people I know from Toasty yeah 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 amazing 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 that you can find it. I mean you can find crazy amazing people within the community even though it's small yes. you know, they all have very like their backgrounds are like the, you know and what's so special about it is people connect without knowing uh, one another's backgrounds and then yes. when you start to come together, you start to understand people better. You realize that, you know, they have so much to contribute. And these are people that you otherwise might not have connected in like a regular setting. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, absolutely. I've met so, so many new people this year. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay, before we end off the podcast, I just want to ask mm. you to give everyone top three tips and tricks to survive the Web3 space. What would be your top three tips and tricks so far right like the guest speakers that um, I've invited right almost I think at least two out of three of the tips and tricks are pretty similar actually it's quite interesting so let's see what's yours <laughs> <laughs> alright my first tip is to recognize that everyone here is still experimenting and exploring mm. so I think when you're coming in, it seems very daunting. Regardless, you know, what position you're trying to do, you're just investing or you're trading or you're creating mm. or you're, you know, growing community. I think a lot of it is trial and error. Mm. So what looks like overnight success for someone um, or what looks like, well, maybe even someone starting at the same time as you, but they tried something else and it worked. But then you went a different route and it didn't work. Mm. I think it's just, you know, to be mindful that there is no necessarily one fixed template yet. Yep. So, yeah, I think that the, the, the main tip to survive is just to, you know, just 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 keep building. I think time in the space counts for more mm. than anything else yep. uh, because, you know, over time you learn. So that's the first, the first tip. Okay. Um, the second one is, I think, to surround yourself with people who have good intentions. Mm. Because I have read a lot of, you know, stories from other founders or other people in the space mm. who maybe didn't get into very good communities to begin with. Okay. And when the market is bullish, you know, of course, everyone is patting each other on their back, yep. cheering for one another. Yep. Or when the market is bearish, you know, suddenly people disappear or um, their mental health takes a dive because yeah. they've lost a lot of money. Um or you know not even money right sometimes it's like the amount of time you spend in the space you feel like you lost all of that yep. so I think finding good community is going to be very very important for your survival mm. because at the end of the day things m money comes and goes yep. but your support system it's necessary for your like internal happiness and survival so the yeah. second one find good people okay Um, the last one 
how to survive meeting. I guess they'll cut off this break, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they will. Oh. They will. Don't worry. <laughs> mm. It's very interesting because wow. so far your two tips and tricks, right, is completely different from other people's. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's nice, you know, it's fresh, it's, it's great, actually. Okay, okay. Yeah. Makes me realize that, you know, as a founder, like the way you think you, the things you should do, you feel you should do to survive is very different from, you know, uh, someone coming from a security perspective, someone coming from, like, for example, for Don, like even his tips and tricks is also different. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. I think the last tip to survive is to always remember that no sorry okay the last the last the last tip I think is do not over invest what you cannot afford to and this is so important because absolutely yeah I think maybe this one might be the same as everyone else but it's so true because I have bought crypto in 2017 right mm. and back then I was so certain of my purchases <laughs> I really believed in you know what some of the protocols that people were building and how useful they will be and I could see the use case I did all my research all my homework mm. and I felt like you know I was making good choices mm. so I was very willing to put X amount of dollars into different altcoins of that season Right. and very quickly that changed and okay. it's not necessarily because the teams they didn't put their heart and soul into it or they weren't building for good you know in fact one of the things that bought very early on was that BAT Brave Attention Token yep. until today I'm still using the Brave browser right Yeah. but to get that level of network effect for the token to take off it's so different from building a good product yeah So it's very actually a lot of people are using the Brave browser like everyone exactly. in my company uses the Brave browser Exactly, but yeah. like that that token, not necessarily everyone benefits from that, and yeah, the, exactly. the drip is so small, it's not necessarily worth it, right? Yeah. But when I first read about the concept, I was like, that's so amazing because you're really capturing and thinking about how to tokenize the attention economy. So yep. today, I think you know the theory stands some merit, but in practice, you know maybe it doesn't come out necessarily that that way. Yeah. So I think it's something for someone to be very mindful of because. Mm. When you learn about something new, you get so excited and you start, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people who just immediately like, oh my gosh, in 10 years it can be that, in 20 years it can be that. And I start painting mm. a very rosy vision, right? Yep. Um, and, I being, and I get very caught up in that story. Mm. So while I am building that story, of course, for my brand, for others, at the same time, I too recognize the risk that people would have, you know, if they were to follow me on this journey. Yep. And I never want anyone to invest in anything that I'm building or anyone else in the space is building if it is something that really cuts into their day-to-day budget. For um, sure. Because it is very risky. Yes. So <laughs> make sure you manage your risk appetite and your optimism because yes, the right decision, you know, to buy a bought it could have sent you to the moon. Mm. But how many projects actually get there? It's so hard to tell. I, I mean, a lot of people bought the correct NFTs. I, I say that in, in inverted commas. Um, yeah. A lot of it was also luck, right? Yeah. You, can, yeah. you can know where you can go for your exam, but there's no right answer here. <laughs> exactly. And and to add on to your point, right? Sometimes even if you even if you get the if you even if you 
like get the right vice. It's also about how long you are able to wait until you know the the moonshot yes. happens. If it's going, to, if yes. you're gonna need that money to pay your rent, you might end up selling at a loss because you are not able to wait enough. You know, it's crazy. So you need to use like fucking money in order to to for for this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And if you want to take part in the space, but you don't have that kind of liquidity, don't. Like just yeah. observe. I, 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 you know, there's so many other ways to get involved. You can get involved in another community. You can help to build, you know, products that you like. Find a job in the space. You don't have to play the speculative element. Yeah. I think that's really, and that's why, that's why the the the, the term is affectionately degen, right? Because everyone knows that there is a risk of it uh, collapsing. Yep. In the short, in even the short time span, you know, some projects I'm sure they can come out of the collapse and go on to be successful. I don't mm. think anyone at the start of Ethereum um, was could could say with hundred percent certainty that Ethereum would be what it is now. You know what yep. I mean? Yep. Um, yeah. So, yeah, don't overinvest. I think one of the fears that I had during the minting period of Tasty Proceeds was. Someone opening a ticket and asking me, do you think that your project would still be available to mint by the end of the week? Because that's when my paycheck comes in. Oh, oh my gosh. my gosh. I was so shocked. And I said, I, I mean, I gave a standard response, which was, you know, I can't tell. I don't mm. know mm. Um, when there will still be any to purchase at the end mm. of the week. But in all honesty, I, sh- I, I was just, and I, of course I said, please don't overinvest. But if I knew that person personally, I'll be like, please do not buy my thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no one should be buying this if you are waiting for your paycheck to come in. That is absolutely not what this is for. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Even Bitcoin, you know, you can think of it as a store of value. But Bitcoin is still volatile. So again, it boils down to the time horizon that you were talking about. Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah. There's so many factors to consider. Exactly. It's crazy. Anyway, thank you for, you know, coming on board today. So happy to have you. Actually, I think this discussion even just like between the both of us, even if it was not like a podcast recording, is also very insightful, you know, like to just Aww. talk about all this stuff again and, and you know, just refresh and, and allow us to sort of like reflect on our own journeys as well. I think, it, I think it's super nice. Where can people find you if they want to find you on Twitter? Yes, I am Chanel Coco, mm-hmm. C-H-A-N-E-L, C-O-C-O. It's mm. the same for Twitter and Instagram. Right. Uh, follow me on Twitter for Web3. <laughs> and then um, for Tasty Toasties, it's T-A-S-T-Y-T-O-A-S-T-Y-S. So Toasties, T-O-A-S-T-Y. Yeah, it's a Y, it's not I-E. Yeah. Okay, and uh, same thing. If you want to um, find out more, you want to follow me, you can follow me at VNSTR underscore ETH. So, hope you like this episode. If you are interested to uh, find out more, please subscribe and uh, just um, share this episode if uh, you find it useful. And if you have anything that you want to comment on and, and that kind of thing, you can always drop me a comment on Twitter. You can always drop Chanel a comment on Twitter. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.